You are listening to audio from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. For more information, please visit www.ccmonrovia.org. If you have your Bibles with you, please open them up with me to the book of Psalm, chapter 27. Psalms 27. We're taking a break in between our study through the pastoral epistles. As you know, we finished 1 Timothy. We plan on studying together both the book of Titus and 2 Timothy, but in between the books, I'm taking opportunity just to share some things that the Lord's put on my heart, and today I want to look at Psalm 27. The first thing we notice as you turn there is that it is a psalm of David. So King David wrote this psalm, and David, of course, is a very famous character throughout the scriptures. Even in the New Testament, he's referenced as uh, the, the lineage from which Jesus the Messiah would come. And David's faith in the Lord was actually anchored in that, those promises that God had made concerning the coming Messiah. God told David that he would have someone from his lineage that would reign on the throne of God's kingdom forever and ever. And David believed God. He believed in a future promise of Christ, similar to Abraham. Remember, Abraham was promised that through your seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And Abraham believed God's promise. And that belief in the promise of a coming Jesus, God credited that to them as faith in Christ. Christ had not yet come, but they believed that he would come, and that faith, God recognized that faith, and that was part of the relationship that the Old Testament saints enjoyed. They believed in a coming Jesus. We believe in a Jesus who has come and has died on the cross and risen from the dead and promised to come again. So it's important to recognize that even the Old Testament, along with the New, all of it is anchored in the, in the promise of Jesus Christ and what he has come and accomplished for us at the cross. So David had a very meaningful and personal, intimate relationship with God. And we know this, the Bible tells us of this uh, throughout the scriptures. We all know this one statement about David. In fact, as soon as you think of David, it probably comes to your mind because God said of David that he was a man after God's own heart. Quite a testimony. You know, when, when the Lord says something about your character, about your heart, that's pretty profound. This is not someone else's comments. This is the Lord's testimony concerning David. And I want to kind of just introduce David to you, refresh your memory of David as we look the, before we look at the psalm together. And you're there in Psalm 27. I'll be with you in a moment. But let's remember when God said this about David, that he was a man after mine own heart. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, you may remember the prophet Samuel was speaking to the first king of Israel, a man by the name of Saul. But Saul disobeyed the Lord. Saul refused to walk after the Lord and in fellowship with the Lord. So God, through the prophet Samuel, came and said, you know what, I'm going to have to remove you and place someone else in that position, someone who will follow after me. And it reads like this out of 1 Samuel 13, verse 13. Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. 
But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Boy, what a sad word that would have been to hear what the Lord would have done, what the Lord desired to do, but you refused. You would not obey him. You would not walk with him. You would not keep fellowship with him. And so now God has sought for a man who will follow him who will have a heart after God's own heart. Interesting how the Lord sought for this. Stephen would, in the New Testament, give the same similar testimony concerning David. You remember Stephen, before he was martyred, he gave this testimony to uh, the nation of Israel. In Acts chapter 13, referencing David in verse 22, he says, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. You see, that's one of the attributes of a man or a woman after God's own heart. They walk in obedience. That's a heart that God is able to fulfill his will through. Saul didn't have that kind of heart. Saul had his own will. Saul had his own agenda. And he wouldn't fulfill what God had for him. But David, had a, he was a man after God's own heart. And so God was able to accomplish his will and purpose. That's the kind of man, that's the kind of women we want to be. Men and women after God's own heart with whom he can accomplish his will with. We are your vessel, Lord. Set aside for your use. You, we belong to you. Accomplish your will in our lives. This should be the cry of our heart. And God is looking for such a heart. It says in Second Chronicles 16, 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. God is looking for those loyal hearts. That's why it says, I've sought and found a man, David, a man after my own heart. God wants to work through the lives of those hearts that are aligned with him. That's what it is to be a a man or a woman after God's own heart. That means that you love God sincerely from your heart. It means that your heart is aligned with him. You want his will to be done. You're not chafing at his will. You're looking to allow God to accomplish his will. And this is a heart that David had. And this is a heart that ultimately will manifest in obedience. So with that introduction, I want us to look at Psalm 27. It's just a short psalm, 14 verses, because I think we see here insights into David's heart. Yeah, I want to be a man after God's own heart. I want to be a woman after God's own heart. What are the attributes of that? What, what are the characteristics of that heart? I think you'll see some of that here in Psalm 27. David talking about his relationship with the Lord. And we'll see some of the keys, if you will, some of the secrets to David's heart that gave him this testimony. Now, we know David was not perfect, right? David made mistakes. David had a lot of ups and downs. And yet, something about the quality and character of his heart and relationship with God, God was able to say, I, I will, he will fulfill all that I've called him to do. The first thing we notice, Psalm 27, we'll take it. Verse by verse, I want you to look at these first three verses. We see that David had a confident heart, 
a confident heart. Look at verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me in this, I will be confident. David had a confidence in God's strength, light, and salvation towards him. Those are the three things. God is my light, my salvation, and my strength. Light, of course, speaks of illumination. He, David saw that God would give him direction for his life. The Lord's the light of my life. How do I know what God's will is? How do I know what God has planned for me? He will illuminate the path as I walk in relationship with him. God was, David was able to do God's will because he knew God's will. God has given us his word as a lamp unto our feet. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. We have light, we have truth, we have knowledge from God, and we discover this in our relationship with him. We used to wander about in the dark. We used to live in darkness. We used to be confused. We didn't know God. We didn't know his plan. We didn't understand the things of God. But then we came to faith in Christ and light was brought into our life. David is saying, God, I'm confident that God will show me the way. God wants us to know his will and his purpose. It's not to be in secret or mystery. As we, as we walk with him, as we trust him, there's a confidence, God will show me what to do. You know, maybe sometimes you think about what's going to happen in the future. Let's be honest, we don't know, but God does. So I'm not sure the specifics of what the next years of my life will be, but I'm confident of this, that he does, and he'll show me. I'll know what to do because he's with me and I'm with him. And that's a confidence, knowing that God will light our path. He's also my salvation, Boy, that speaks to us not only in day-to-day circumstance, but that speaks to us of all eternity. The Bible says before we came to faith in Christ, we were lost and without hope in the world. We were dead in our sins and our trespasses. They were keeping us separated from God, and we had nothing to look forward to except the certain expectation of judgment. But Jesus came. He paid the price for my sin at the cross. He rose from the dead in victory over sin, death, and the grave. And for whoever believes should not perish, but have everlasting life. He has saved me. He's cleansed me. Salvation has come to my life. And this brings confidence. Aren't you glad you don't have to figure out how to be good enough for heaven? My goodness, you can't make it. Imagine the weight of that, trying to be religious enough to earn God's favor, trying to be just, you know, what God would want me to be in my own strength. Oh, Lord, save me. Save me by your grace. I'm coming to you just as I am and asking you to come into my life and save me. David knew the sweet, saving grace and mercy of God in his life. David also knew that God would save him in circumstances of his life. The context here is, you know, my enemies were coming after me. But God, he's my savior. 
And God does save us, doesn't he? Haven't you been worried about things in the past where somehow, some way, God brought you through? He is your salvation. He is the one that works all things together for good. And through that, David learned, the Lord is the strength of my life. You know, David was an accomplished man. He was a mighty warrior. He was a king and leader. He was a gifted musician and songwriter. He had many attributes and strengths that we might consider worthy of admiration, even in the natural. But David said, that's not my strength. The Lord is my strength. David learned the secret of not relying on his own strength, but relying on the Lord and his strength. How did he discover this? Well, he tells us right here in the psalm, my enemies rose up against me. I've had all kinds of adversaries. I've had, and you know David's story. Saul chased him all over Israel, the nation of Israel, trying to kill him. He had many ups and downs, and yet God delivered him. He learned through trial He learned through his own weakness that God was able to be his strength. That reminds us of the Apostle Paul who said, when I'm weak, then I am strong. And this is the way confidence is developed in your heart, believer. God brings you through stuff. God brings you through hard times. It's easy to say, oh, I'm confident in the Lord. And then circumstances get a little testy. Oh, 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 you know. The confidence that God is wanting to create in your life is a confidence that, go, that is able to weather storms. That's a man or a woman after God's own heart. Because listen, your life's going to have storms. How are you going to follow after God if at the first sign of a, of a difficult trial you're doubting God? You're wondering what he's doing, why he's doing. Well, how's this? This can't be God. Now, God, David learned this confidence because it was tested through the trials of his life. We don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like trials. But if I'm honest, and I think if you are too, you would have to admit, listen, the, the deepest lessons that I've learned about God and who he is and what he is in my life have come through the deepest valleys. Oh, I don't, I don't enjoy the valleys. I don't look forward to those valleys but I know those are the places where I have learned the truth about who he is. And my confidence in him is because of what he has brought me through in life. So God, do what you must. A man after God's own heart, a woman after God's own heart. Lord, my confidence is in you. You're my light. You're my savior. You're my strength. I'm going with you, Lord. I'm going the distance with you because I trust you. A confident heart. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, Paul wrote to the Ephesian church. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Paul wrote to the Philippian church. Paul, as David did, as we all must, learned the strength of God through the weakness of his own circumstance. The next thing we notice in this heart of David, back to our text in Psalm 27, David had a worshiping heart. One of my favorite topics. Look at it with me, verse 4. One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, 
He shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. David is a very interesting man. He was this mighty warrior, this seemingly natural-born leader. And yet, he had this tender heart of worship, a poet, really, a, a psalmist, a songwriter, a musician. He had this passion for God that he was discovering things in his worship life with God that had become so real to his heart that they became his priorities. One thing I seek, one thing I desire that I will seek after. What would it be, David? Uh, maybe no, no rivals to the throne? Would it be some abundance? Would it be some blessing? No, this is the one thing I want. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to be in the presence of God. David must have discovered something in God's presence that became precious to him. He tells us a little bit right here in the psalm. Number one, to behold his beauty. Have you experienced that? Have you been in a time of worship, whether it be a corporate worship service or a personal private moment where you're just worshiping and giving the Lord thanks and something of God's beauty is revealed to you? Something of his glory, something of his majesty? You know, even his creation has some effect on us. Have you ever seen a sunset and it just kind of stunned you, just the beauty of the moment? Some mountaintop vista and you just, wow, look at that. Just the creation itself says something of his glory. The Romans tells us that, that some of his attributes can be seen through what he's made. But I think there's more than just a pretty sunset where we can appreciate God's beauty. It's in his presence, in this fellowship of worship, in this place where you intentionally come. David said, I'm seeking this. I make it a point to go to this place where me and God are communing. In David's life, it was the temple. In our lives, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It can be in our public gathering and corporate gathering, but it can also be in our private fellowship with the Lord. Listen, there are things that you can enjoy in worship that you can't enjoy anywhere else. You can read it, you can intellectually embrace it, but God is a spirit. God is alive. God wants to be worshipped in spirit and in truth, to behold his beauty, his power, his wisdom, his love. It says, he says to inquire in his temple. Interesting. David discovered that in times of worship, God would instruct his heart. Maybe you've experienced this. I have, and I think many of you have. You know, I've heard it from testimony. You know, you, you'll say, man, worship. During the worship, the Lord spoke this into my heart. You know, we were worshiping today, and all of a sudden, I felt like God showed me something. Maybe it's a word of insight into your life. Maybe it's a word of correction concerning your life. But the Holy Spirit ministering to you because you've set that time to be in his presence. The presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. 
Listen, if you haven't tasted that, you've, you've, you're missing something. If you stand off with worship because you just, it's kind of spooky, you're not sure. Listen, you need to get in there. And you need to allow God to minister to you in the ministry of his spirit. Inquire of the Lord. There's wisdom. There's direction. There's truth for you in his presence. I love this. He says, he will hide me in his pavilion. David found a sense of security, protection in his worship life. I want to encourage you that, you know, sometimes you walk in here, you've got, you've got heavy things on your mind. Some of you may be even here today. You've got, you've got crises you're facing just outside the door. You're worried. You're concerned. Do you know that in worship, the Lord can hide you from that? Do you know that you can actually find peace that passes understanding? That God promises will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus? That just being with him sometimes makes everything else seem much smaller? This is a strength in worship. So many times we worry, oh, I'm so anxious. I just wish God, we want God to just kind of wave the wand and take all the problems away. It doesn't work like that. But God says, but you know what? If you'll come to me, if you'll come and cast your cares over on me, if you'll come and worship me and just sit at my feet, if you'll just be in my presence, do you know what? I'll give you peace. I'll give you a sense of being hidden in my safe place, my pavilion. He says that he will set my feet upon a rock. I'll establish you. I'll give you a sense of security beneath your feet. Anybody need that today? Anybody feel like you're walking on uncertain ground and it's moving on you as you go? God wants to establish your life, the ups and downs of your journey. God wants to give you a rock beneath your feet that you can be secure, and it's discovered in worship. And David says, that's why I bring the sacrifice of joy. That's why I sing praise. Yes, I will sing praise to the Lord. David's worship was expressive. We're talking about a man after God's own heart. These are little insights for us. How can I have that blessing in my life? How can I find that place of fellowship? Worship is one of them, and David's worship was expressive. He was a singer. He was a worshiper. He wasn't a worship observer. He was a worship participator. And again, I just want to encourage you. It doesn't just have to be corporate, although I think corporate worship is wonderful. You know, when I was in college, I started going to the, that's a long time ago. <laughs> I started going to uh, this Bible fellow, study fellowship where they had this worship, you know, guitar and people singing in worship. This was a long time ago. And I'd never seen anybody, I was just a young Christian. I'd never seen anybody raise their hands during worship. So I'm at this little, this Bible fellowship and people are raising their hands and I'm like freaking out. What are this is weird. I got to get out of here. I've heard stories. Oh, these, these are those kind of Christians. And I imagine that I was in a really spooky place. But nothing unbiblical, nothing crazy went on. People just seemed to be like sincerely engaged in the singing and the worship. And then the Bible study and the fellowship and the people, they were, they were good, good people. So I kept coming. And, you know, eventually... I, I, and this is, this is a conversation I had with the Lord. Okay, Lord, I'm going to try it. You know, it was a big step for me. 
And I thought, Lord, I'm gonna, I'm, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what to expect, but I'm going to raise my hands. And so I'm watching, we're, sitting, we're worshiping, and I raise my hand in worship. And as soon as I raised it, I immediately put it down. I looked around, I thought, you know, I'm out, it's weird. Everybody's going to be looking at me like, whoa, he's really getting into it. No, nobody was even paying attention to me. It was just me and my own mind. I was so self-conscious. And I learned, that just my experience, but I learned over time that, you know, there are biblical expressions of worship that are appropriate. Now, there are un- people that do unbiblical things. They call it worship. It's not appropriate. I don't think anything done to draw attention to yourself could possibly be described as worship. Worship is all about giving attention to him. But there are expressions of worship. Singing is one of our expressions. The lifting of hands in the sanctuary. You can kneel. You can sing. You can pray. You can just be still. But the point is, worship is an expression. It's an action sport, if you will. It's not a participator in watching or listening. It's engaging. And David knew this kind of of worship, not just with the congregation, but I want to encourage you to be a worshiper in your own private devotion life. You know, I was getting ready this week and praying over these passages and had my computer and taking notes, you know, doing my little study thing. And and I had some worship music going on in the background. And so I was just kind of paused and kind of reflecting on, on you know, what I was writing. And then I, then I just started listening to this worship song. I, I don't even remember what song it was. But the words all of a sudden just caught my heart. And I just had to put the computer down. And I got on my knees and I just lifted my hands and just listened to that worship song. You know what? Tears just started running down my face. Now, I, I'm not saying this like I'm, you know, some master worshiper. I'm just saying there is a beauty in fellowship with the Lord. I mean, I just felt so cleansed. I felt so, you know, what David expressed. I felt so secure. I felt so loved. Just being there loving him. Oh, it was just an intimate time with the Lord. Do you know you can have those moments? I believe that the Lord longs for those moments. You remember Mary and Martha? Oh, which one was, was too busy? Martha? Martha, right? Martha, busy about... I always get that. Mar- Martha can... What a pastor, right? Doesn't I? <laughs> Martha, all uptight. Mary's there at the feet of Jesus. She's getting everything ready in the house. Jesus, don't you care? My lazy sister standing there. She's making me do all the work. And Jesus said, no, Martha, Martha, you're worried about a lot of things. But Mary has chosen What? The better part, better than busy, is at the feet of Jesus in worship and fellowship, listening to him, sharing your heart with him. David, part of David's secret to his heart was worship. Next, back to our text. David also knew how to seek the Lord. Look at verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. 
Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me. O God of my salvation, when my mother and my father forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Just, I'm sorry, so moving. Just the passion of his prayer. David knew how to seek the face of God. Now, you say, well, that's kind of like worship, and I, I think it is. But there's something more than just worship. Worship is about adoring the Lord. Just You're not there asking for anything. You're just there loving and, and blessing and thanking and praising. Seeking is about really getting a hold of God because you're in need. Notice how David phrases it. Hear, Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy and answer me. There were times in David's life where he was desperate for the Lord's help. There were times when he just had to hear from God. He had to get the help that he needed from God. You know, God will craft circumstance in your life. He'll put you in those kind of places where nothing or no one can help you but the Lord. David said, even my father and mother, there are places where God, only God can come through. And I believe that God wants that relationship with you. He wants to be that resource for you. David crying out to the Lord, and the Lord said, seek my face. Lord, I need help. I need, I'm in a trial. I need you to come through. Seek my face. David said, when you told me to seek your face, I sought your face. I came after you in prayer, Lord. I came after you in a persistent pursuit of seeking you. I, almost like Jacob, kind of wrestling, Lord, I can't let go until you help. I can't let go until you bless. I believe that the Lord will bring us through circumstances in our life that teach us to seek him in a deeper way. And I believe that the challenge grows as you grow as a believer. Maybe you can relate to this. Maybe you can remember as an early Christian, it seemed like almost every prayer had a positive answer, right? This is easy. I prayed and look, it happened, right? You remember that when you first started walking with the Lord, the Lord just working kind of miraculously. But then as you walk with the Lord, as you journey with the Lord, life comes with other challenges. And, and you can't just kind of, you know, say a quick prayer and everything's solved. You have to seek the Lord. That's why David says, Lord, don't hide your face. It's almost like David is letting us know that there are times in his walk and prayer life that the Lord withdrew. Why? To hide, to, to leave him alone. We're never alone. God will never leave you nor forsake you. He is always with you. He was always watching over you. His eye is upon you. You are his child. You are never absent. His help, his grace, his love. But there will be seasons when he is trying to mature you in prayer and in faith. And he will kind of, like a parent, you know, teaching a child to to walk or to swim. You back up a little. Come on. Come on. You can do it. God growing you and teaching you how to walk in faith, teaching you how to seek the face of God. Don't you know that you're going to need that in your journey? 
Don't you know you're going to have to pray for others that need the Lord in your journey? How are you going to intercede for others? There is spiritual warfare afoot. There, is spirit, there are demons that want to steal and kill your family. They want to steal off your kids. Don't you know you're going to have to seek the Lord? Lord, hear me when I cry. This drawing out in prayer, this drawing deeper in relationship. How do we seek his face? Through prayer, through his word, through time with his people. You're here today. I believe this is a a seeking the Lord type of fellowship and service. We come because we want more of him. We're looking to hear from him. We're looking for something from him and for him. And so this seeking is something that is in the heart of David. Oh, have mercy on me, David says. And you know, we don't seek the Lord with any merit of our own. We don't come in demanding from God. We come in humbly and we say, God, have mercy and help. Lord, I'm desperate for you. I need you to come through. You know, I think sometimes we get very distracted. I think sometimes we get very busy with other things. And we forget how to seek the Lord because we're just too busy. And sometimes the Lord has to craft a circumstance to kind of get your attention and say, oh, oh, I better get back to seeking the Lord. The Lord is doing this because he loves us. The Lord is doing this because he's trying to draw us deeper into relationship with him. Do you know that that ministry... The Lord using your life is often birthed through a deep seeking of him and his face. That's been my experience. I have, I have learned over the years that when, when God begins to stir in my heart, even for something of ministry, something I believe he wants to do, it's just, that's just the beginning of start seeking. It doesn't just happen. God doesn't just kind of drop ministry into your lap without you getting engaged in prayer and seeking him. Now, sometimes God will just put something on your path and it hits you in the face and, oh, I guess I better pray. This is a good time. But, you know, often it's the Lord who begins to put a burden in your heart. Remember Nehemiah? He heard the story of how his people were suffering back in Jerusalem. And when he heard it, he, he sat down and wept. God began to stir a burden to seek God. That eventually met, uh, led to his returning with a team and rebuilding the city wall. God wants us to be seekers. David was a man who sought the Lord. Hopeful heart. Look back to our text. David had a hopeful heart. David, deep down, believed that God would be good. And that's, a, that's an important thing for us to kind of have as a hope in our heart of confidence. Look at verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, For false witnesses have risen up against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Here's the truth about our, our walk and journey with the Lord. There are adversaries. There are difficult days ahead. 
David experienced them. Every believer in the scripture tasted them. You and I have experienced it in our own level as well. And here's, the, here's what the enemy would like to do. He'd like to get you so discouraged with your circumstance. He'd like to get you so kind of overwhelmed with, with the adversaries. David says false witnesses. Ever had somebody talk bad about you? Ever had anybody put something up on social media that hurt you? Ever had somebody that be try, just trying to, to stir trouble against your life, such as breathe out violence? Ever had somebody just against you? Often that's the enemy, even stirring people up to come against you, come against your faith. And the enemy wants you to get to where you're so discouraged that you, you just don't believe that God is gonna, gonna, God is gonna do something good. Because if God was good and God loved me, then how come these people are treating me this way? How come this situation is going on in my life? You hear David. David said, Lord, teach me your way. Lord, help me navigate this. There are people that are just out to get me, mean people, hurtful people. Lord, teach me this, to, how to find my way through this. To be honest, Lord, if I didn't believe, if I didn't have this hope in my heart that one day I would see your goodness in the land of the living, I would have given up. If you know the story of David, he had times and seasons worthy of giving up. Maybe you've had that. Maybe you're in one. Easy to give up. But sometimes it's not easy. It's just, it seems to be like the only thing left is to just give up. There has to be a hope in the heart. If you're going to be a man, a woman after God's own heart, if you're going to sojourn with the Lord, if you're going to not grow weary in well-doing, you have to settle this, that God is good and that he loves you and that he's for you and that there may be, you may be sowing in tears, but there is a day coming when you will reap in joy. The New Testament version of this is he works all things together for good to those that love the Lord, to those that are called according to his purpose. Let's be honest. That's the only thing that keeps you going sometimes. You look at the circumstance and you're ready to quit, but you remind yourself in the Lord that my God is good. My God is strong. My God is faithful. And my God loves me, and he's for me. Amen. Amen. And you let that hope build up in your heart again. It doesn't fix the circumstance in a moment, but I'll tell you, it gives you the strength you need to pass through. You will reap in joy. David says, I, 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 I would have lost heart, but I believed. I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know, not only in this life will we see the Lord bring good things, but I believe David had his vision even on eternity. The land of the living, I wonder if that isn't, but where God is taking us into eternity. That's the true living, isn't it? The land of the living, eternal life. That's what we're all pursuing. And you gotta keep a little, of that, a little bit of that in your heart too. You gotta keep a little eternity in view. If it's just this life, ooh, but when eternity is kept in focus, I can do it. I can do this. I can do this. I'm going to be with, with him forever. Finally, 
David was a man who waited on the Lord. Look at verse 14. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. It seems to me that this waiting is really the description of everything he's been talking about. It's all, it could all be described waiting on the Lord. Confidence in the Lord is part of my waiting on him. Worshiping, seeking, hoping, all of that is part of a heart that is waiting, depending, looking, trusting in God. As you follow this psalm, the verses, it's as if David is giving his testimony until verse 14, then he gives instruction. As if to say, here's what God's been and become in my life. Here's my prayer. Here's what my heart seeking him looks like. Now you, reader, you wait on the Lord too. You learn to trust in him. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Be of good courage. He will strengthen your heart. This David, boy, we can all relate to a man that had his issues, that had his challenges, and yet he was a man after God's own heart. This is what we're going to need for God to accomplish his will and purpose in our lives, this kind of centering of heart and purpose. And these are just some insights as to how we might navigate our day-to-day walk with the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for the truth of this passage. We find in the heart of David, the psalmist, a heart that was truly centered on you. You described it as a man after your own heart. A heart that you could trust. A heart that you had confidence would accomplish your goodwill. God, I pray that you would discover that in our hearts today as your eyes look to and fro over the earth. Oh, God, let them, let them fall on us today. May we be those that would say, God, have your way. God, have your will. God, I want to be one of those with whom you can work, with whom you can bear fruit and glorify your, your gospel, your kingdom. Lord, Use me for your glory. Find such hearts, I pray, for us today. As we close and prepare to sing a final song of worship, it says you remain with your heads bowed for a moment. I do want to give an opportunity if you're here today and you need to respond to the word of the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you do not have that personal, close, intimate relationship with the Lord that we're describing. It comes through faith in Jesus. That's where everything begins, believing in the Savior. And it may be that you're here today and you've never accepted Christ into your life and received the mercy, the forgiveness. Today, your heart is ready. I need Jesus. I need mercy. I need this God. I I need this God that I can depend on. Even when father and mother are unreliable, there is a God who I can count on. And he sent his own son to die on the cross for me. And I want to receive that by faith. I'd love to pray for you if you need to receive Christ today. Maybe you need to recommit, rededicate your heart to the Lord.
Maybe as we looked through this psalm today, there was the realization in your own heart that you are far, far away from this. That you're not really seeking God. That you're not really confident today in the Lord. That it's been a long time since you and him have just had a moment where you've seen his beauty. And you realize you've lost your way. You're, You're distracted and you're off in your own venture. And God is calling you back. Come back. Seek my face. And like David today, you want to say, Lord, I'm ready to start seeking your face again. Recommitting, rededicating your heart to him. I'd love to pray for you as well. So if you're here today, you want to receive Jesus for the very first time, or you need to recommit your heart to him, I'd ask you just to raise your hand. Let me see you and I'll pray for you. Couple hands here in the center section, another there. God bless you. Back there, God bless. Over here on the aisle, God bless you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Just going to pray. Anyone else? Okay. The Lord's calling out to you. You know it's him. He's saying, come, seek me, trust me. Anyone else, just before I pray, many have responded, any others? God bless you in the very back. So Lord, for these hearts responding to you today, we ask that you would meet them. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just embrace them, that they would would sense what David sought, your beauty, your glory, your love, your mercy, your forgiveness. Lord, that they would just sense you gathering them into this secret place with you a hiding place and protecting them because you love them as you wrap your arms about them, Lord, and set their feet upon a rock, put stability into their life and into their walk, Lord, and just affirm your love for them. And each hand that raised, may this be your prayer, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, cleanse me. Embrace me today in your mercy. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection. Come into my heart afresh, anew, and lead my life in that place. Show me your path, God, that I might be a man, a woman after God's own heart. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. To view and listen to more sermons, please visit www.ccmonrovia.org.